Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into albums and bands that shaped metal please visit our website the metal pit at www.themetalpit.org where you can find album reviews interviews and live show reviews also follow us on facebook and instagram at the metal pit and for some video interviews and audio versions of this podcast please visit our youtube channel which is youtube.com at the metal pit 666 and if you are listening to us on youtube leave some comments about this podcast after we do it email us at info at the metal pit.org if you have any suggestions or you maybe want to be a guest or you have any complaints about us giving albums 10 out of 10 all the time or whatever right jim um, that's right <laughs> but anyway my guests today are as i just said jim and ken both writers of course for me on the metal pit how are you guys today yeah we're good man Okay, and today, as I said on the first line, it says we delve deep into the albums of bands that shape metal. I guess this could be one of them, as we're going to talk about Led Zeppelin. Now, I know a lot of people are probably going to say, Led Zeppelin's not heavy metal, but of course, like I say, they're one of the pioneers, I would say, along with Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. Would you agree on that, guys? Yep, totally. Absolutely. Yep. And if I had to throw a fourth one in there, I suppose I'd throw in ACDC, even though I know nobody's going to say they're heavy metal either, but I know they influenced a lot. And the funny, I was thinking about this today, how if we say there's those four bands, none of them sound similar at all. No, <laughs> totally not. You would never confuse one for the other. Not no. like when, you know, when Metallica kind of started thrash metal and then you have all these bands that sound similar. Of course, to us, they don't sound the same, but, you know, outsiders would think, oh, that all sounds the same. But at least with this, you're never going to have that confusion. Unless, of course, you listen to Black Sabbath's Born Again album, then you might think <laughs> that sounds like Deep Purple. <laughs> but True. We know what that's about. Okay. So uh, I'm hoping a lot now, if there's any younger people listening, they might not even know who Led Zeppelin is. But they can, go, and so if they're listening to this, maybe they can go read about it. But I will just say they were formed in 1968 in London, England. I was two years old when they were formed. <laughs> they have, I guess, eight studio albums, plus the album Coda, which is some unused songs and outtakes that they threw on an album. And that would have been after John Bonham had passed away. And we are going to talk about their fourth album, which is... I guess an untitled album, but I'm calling it Led Zeppelin 4 for the purpose <laughs> of this discussion. Sometimes it's been called Zosa, and sometimes it's been called Four Symbols, because when you open up the album, there's four symbols of the bands all picked an image or a thing for a symbol. Uh, so this album has sold over 37 million copies. It was released wow. in November 1971, and as I said, it was untitled, but we're calling it number four. Their third album, Led Zeppelin III, because the first four are all just Led Zeppelin, was a little more me mellow compared to their second album. It was more folksy and stuff, and they got a lot of criticisms, but they sure came back different with a heavy rock one with this one again so let's try to figure out when did we first hear led zeppelin jim Jeez, i mean i probably you know i think you always heard it i mean like the first album i ever got and i've told a story on on many shows uh, was sin after sin judas priest accidentally bought it thought i was getting a disco album uh their saturday night fever and that was one of the records stuffed in there at a flea market so that that kind of got me into it but i mean you know like i probably heard like sabbath probably quicker because growing up in the 80s you know i would have been nine years old in 1980 so like in the early 80s probably sabbath was more i remember i had a black sabbath shirt when i was in like i think grade seven so that was pretty impressive 
Um, I probably couldn't name very many of their songs or none of their albums, but hey, you know, I was representing. And Deep Purple, I kind of fell in love with on, uh, you know, pretty much their reunion album, I guess you could say, uh, you know, and then and then kind of went backwards there. But I think Led Zeppelin was always, I mean, probably classic rock stations. I probably have heard it. And, you know, you, you got to I got to be honest with you. I mean, it, on this album, as well as their whole catalog, I mean, there's they're a mainstay and and everybody says, well, they're not heavy metal. No, but I agree. They're definitely one of the four, you know, the grandfathers of heavy metal. I mean, and I definitely put them up there with ACDC, like you said, with uh, Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. And yeah, all four of those bands have total different sounds. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it just kind of is a testament to how, you know, you've got Sabbath who kind of brought a doom sound you've got zeppelin who's a lot more bluesy and you got acdc is kind of a really cool rocker sound and and uh you know and deep purple just delves into a whole bunch of stuff um you know and it it definitely shows the uh shows the scope of in the late 60s all through the 70s you know and then a lot of these some of these bands are even still going today um you know and uh just shows the scope of what they brought and how the genres branched out from there and I think it, you know, the family tree would have started with these acorns, so to say, you know. And Jim, how about you? Oh, sorry, you were Jim. <laughs> Ken, <laughs> how about you? Well, okay, so I'm going to uh, approach this from a different angle. Now, we're just talking earlier about how old we were when this, when this album came out. Now, I was just <laughs> like two years old. So, um, and I've mentioned this before on previous podcasts. My dad used to be, uh, make speaker cabinets. He used to work for Yorkville Sound. So he knew a lot of like Canadian bands like Lighthouse, Kilowack, April Wine. He knew all these guys. And because he knew all these guys, he'd always bring these albums home. So my dad, a lot of vinyl. Zeppelin was one of the bands that he brought home to play. And I was two. Now, I don't know this story, but my mom said, told me this story that when I was two, I would sit there and like bang my bang my 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 hands on the ground as if I was drumming to Led Zeppelin and this album in particular when it came out. So it was kind of funny that uh, I I don't have any recollection of this and I probably wouldn't have even started listening to Zeppelin until I was a teenager because my the vinyl records were all around my house. So I was probably about 15, 16 when I really started looking into Zeppelin. But I think Sabbath would have been. I, I think for me, it would have been either Sabbath or Purple first that I would have really been into. And then I got into Zeppelin. But as you as Jim, as you mentioned, radio play was very, was a huge for Zeppelin. Like they were always on the radio. Q107 yeah, yeah. in Toronto constantly played them. So you heard them. Even if I wasn't like actively listening to the band, I knew of them. Like, like anyone, anyone growing up in, like in the late 70s or even early 80s, yeah, you knew who Ze Zeppelin were for sure. So yeah, so I I guess I by the time the early '80s came, I started really getting into Zeppelin because I was already into Sabbath, I was already into Purple. So that's kind of where I where I approach it from. Okay, f f well for me again, it's hard to remember exactly, and so they would have been on the radio. Maybe Immigrant Song might have been on the radio, and then of course uh, Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, as a whatever teenager. When I was just getting into music, but I would listen to, you know, AM radio because back then there wasn't heavy, heavy metal. There wasn't hard. There was some hard rock and radio, but it was on your AM top 40 radio stations. And living in Canada, you would hear a lot of Canadian stuff like April Wine and Streetheart and whatever those bands. And of course, you'd hear Stairway to Heaven. And they'd always have New Year's Eve. They would always have the top whatever 100 songs of all time or something and mm -hmm. stairway to heaven was already always one or two like with the beatles yeah. and hey jude i think it was was the song so i would hear that but i never liked it because i'm not a ballad kind of guy and so i would hear that song i like the last minute of the song <laughs> but i always hated or i didn't hate but i always i never really liked stairway to heaven at that time so i don't think i listened to the album yet so, so i like the whole album yet and I can't even remember exactly when I really finally started getting into it. But now I really like the album, which we will find out. But we, I can say Stairway to Heaven is probably my least favorite song on it, even though it's probably their most popular song ever. But 
anyway, but I think that could have been I, Stairway to Heaven could have been the first song I ever heard and I didn't like it. But now Led Zeppelin is one of my favorite bands of all time. So it's just funny how that works out. OK, so with this album, like we said, it's uh, called Led Zeppelin. Well, it's not called anything, but we're calling it Led Zeppelin 4. And even on the cover of the album, it depicts an old man carrying a bundle of sticks on his back. And I guess it was a photo that was bought at an antique shop. So they threw it on the album and it doesn't, there's no words on the album. It doesn't even say Led Zeppelin on it and it doesn't say nothing. And they said after the lukewarm reception to Led Zeppelin 3 that Jimmy Page decided that the next Zeppelin album would not have a title. And the record company was strongly against that by the group group stood their ground and said they didn't want any markings on the title at all and somebody told them that you're going to commit uh, um, music suicide by doing this but of course <laughs> that guy was wrong <laughs> <laughs> but i love that they didn't give in to the record company you have any thoughts on the album cover or the no name or anything like that and um yeah, no, I I didn't actually look it up, but I it, I always I like that cover. That cover is really interesting. It uh, for some reason it just has this kind of painterly feel to it. It's a photograph, but I always <laughs> thought it was a very unique cover for them, for, for what I like of it. But it's not Houses of the Holy, but it's certainly an interesting album cover. And uh, Jim, yeah, you know it, it's kind of cool. Like you say, they stood up to the record company. I mean. You know, when you think about it, it's a pile of sticks and a lot of black metal logos and names, band names look like a pile of sticks that spell out their <laughs> names. So, I, you know, no, I'm just kidding. But no, it's it's kind of cool. I think that's pretty neat. And I like the symbols and obviously some of the songs on here that are they, they kind of go a little bit deeper into maybe some of the stuff they like, uh, you know, with Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. It's yeah. pretty cool. I thought the symbols in that were pretty neat. And I remember like older brothers of my friends and that all had were wearing zeppelin shirts and that and they would have the symbols on there and uh not till years later that i figured it out that each one signified a band member so i thought that was pretty cool and mm -hmm. uh you know i guess i guess it just goes to prove that uh you know the product the music speaks for itself because i mean how many mil what was it 37 million worldwide mm -hmm. you know this went two million copies in canada and i mean you know, that's pretty impressive and uh that, that's pretty neat uh you know and so so i think it's pretty cool and i i give them props for it and i love it when uh the album art is somewhat interesting has a bit of a story to it rather than just like you know putting four guys on a cover with poopy <laughs> hair and you know <laughs> and then they're just kind of pouting you know <laughs> it's great i think it's awesome <laughs> there's probably not too many bands in existence that had an album out and then didn't even have their name on it. Pink Floyd might not might have did that too, if I'm not mistaken. There's one with a cow on it. I don't remember seeing their name on that. Maybe I'm wrong, but but I because I watched a documentary on a person that used to make album covers, and he made that cow one for Pink Floyd, and he made the pigs on the wing album cover for Pink Floyd too. And I think he did some Led Zeppelin one, not this one, because this is just like we said, a picture that Robert Plant bought at an antique store. But uh yeah, I thought it was very interesting that, you know. To... Well, it's, it's, it's probably a parody like the Spinal Tap Black album because, yeah. you know, they probably used that. They didn't have their name on it, but, you know, it's blacker than black. You can't get oh, any yeah. blacker. That's right. The classic <laughs> Spinal Tap also didn't have yeah. a name on their albums. <laughs> But yeah, it's true. Because I know reading when we did a podcast on Black Sabbath and uh, when they did the Born Again album, Tony Iommi didn't want to call it Black Sabbath. But yeah. the record company says we have to and he gave in. <laughs> yeah. And he says, OK, but, but whatever. They could have called it Deep Purple, too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, OK, so we want to get on to the songs. Oh, wait, I guess I'll mention the the band members and usually when we'll mention the band members of an album there'll be other albums where they're different but Led Zeppelin every album it's the same band members and they've got vocals Robert Plant guitarist Jimmy Page bass John Paul Jones and drummer John Bonham and of course John Bonham passed away from alcohol asphyxiation I think is what I'm saying here and that when that happened that was in 1980 September 1980 and that was the end of Zeppelin as they didn't want to replace them with a different drummer they said if 
we're not all here, then we're not here. Except for a few, I guess I did a few live shows like with John Bottom's yeah. son as a drummer yeah. and stuff like that. But and I'm, I'm sure we would we would have loved it if they went on tour with them, like did a full tour with them, and they would have made lots of money. So I guess kudos to them for not caring about that and caying about John Bonham and his legacy. Totally. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to the album, and we start off with a song named about my dog, I guess, because I have a black <laughs> dog. So this song is called Black Dog. And uh, Jim, how would you like to go first? I mean, I, you know, what can you say about this? Yeah, when I when I was doing my sort of my background on all the songs, I was like, ah, this is this is Blake's song for sure. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, this is an iconic song. I mean, it's one of my favorite. I mean, it's probably not my favorite. I, I like kind of a, one other one uh, on this uh, better. But, I mean, it's a great song. It's amazing. It's iconic. I mean, you know, Plant's voice just rips right through. I mean, you know, it's it's all about their, the Black Labrador Retriever that I believe is hanging around the uh, or spotted around the uh, recording studio. And, I mean, you know, it's, it's just iconic. Everything about it is iconic. I mean, you hear it, you know exactly what it is, you know. You know, and there's a couple of songs on this uh, album that is like that. And I mean, this is just, it's such a cool song. It's probably one of my, one of my top 10 for sure Zeppelin songs of all time. Awesome song. And Kent? Yeah, I mean, this is a really, really good song. It starts out really good. I love the, uh, the muted guitars at the beginning of it. And then the song just kind of rips and it goes into the, uh, into a lot of really like nice distortion with uh, Pages, uh, Gibson, Les Paul. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strong song for me. It's one I've used to hear on the radio all the time. And as Jim said, of course, like, you know, they're all obsessed with this black lab that was always coming out at night with during at the studio. And then, you know, when you look at some of the lyrics and what was said about it, about the idea that the song's about lust, it's about eroticism and betrayal. So I, it's it's interesting. <laughs> you look at that dog, and then you know you got uh, Plant saying that, well, that dog is going to see his Mrs. Dog at night for a little <laughs> visit, and then uh, you know, I mean, it's funny how he would uh, view it that way. But yeah, it's a great song. Um, yeah, I lo- I love this song. I, the main riff is great, and I know that uh, John Paul Jones, uh, who wrote the main riff, um, was inspired by Muddy Waters' Electric Mud. Which which is a, which is some music that I kind of like, so I can see where they where they pulled some of their inspiration from. But as an opening song, yeah, it's a really good song. It's one of my favorite songs from the band as well. Yes, and I love the song too. And uh, my last dog was also black, so I don't. <laughs> you're you're definitely a fan. <laughs> I, I guess I should have called my dog Black Dog instead of giving him a name. I should have just called him Black Dog. But anyway uh i don't yeah i was gonna i don't have to mention anything about the dog since you did guys did your research too and yes it was at the headley grange studios where the studio grounds of that i guess it was a house or whatever that they recorded it in but yeah they would see that dog and then they figured it went away to have sex and then it would come back again later or something (laughs) (laughs) i don't think led zeppelin had too many songs about sex but anyway this is one of them i guess yeah so they say Then we go to the song Rock and Roll. Ken, what do you think of Rock and Roll? Oh, this is a toe tapper for me. Um, it's, it's perfect. It's a perfect song just to follow up from Black Dog. Um, plant Plant's vocals here are the best. They ooze and ahs. I love this song. It's it's just a it's a ripper of a song. Um, yeah, it, it it never lets up. It's lots of energy, lots of bluesy riffs. It's a great great song for me. And Jim. Yeah, I mean, this is this is another <clears throat> talk about a one-two punch on an album. I mean, you don't have to call name the album anything with with songs like this on there. I mean, this is it's exactly what it is. It's rock and roll. And I mean, reading about it, I read that it was uh, kind of a spontaneous writing session where it was more of a jam session. Then they inserted stuff, so they used for their kind of a little bit of like Little Richard's "Keep a Knock" and at the beginning of it and. He, you know, I think Jimmy Page kind of went with more of a, you know, like kind of has that old school Chuck Berry kind of guitar riffing that's going on. And it, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, you know, I think they, they wrote, I was reading that they wrote most of this. I mean, this is such an amazing song. 
And this kind of reminds me of uh, like two totally different songs, but kind of reminds me of the way Smoke on the Water went with Deep Purple because this was written, most of it was written in about 15 minutes. And I know that song was written fairly quickly too. And then you've got, you've got these two songs that were kind of like sleeping giants. So very, very similar in the way they kind of were constructed. And it just goes to show that, you know, when you, when you got something and you, you know, it doesn't have to be something like, uh, I don't know, Axl Rose putting out Chinese democracy over 20 years. You do something like this so quick and it's, it's just a massive hit. And I mean, it's exactly what it is. Rock and roll. I mean, what an amazing, amazing song. Love it. And uh, I will mention that Rolling Stones original piano player, I guess, Ian Stewart, and also co-founder of Rolling Stones, he had a guest spot on the song, too, even though I probably just found that out today. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I love Robert. I mean, I think, well, I think they're all great musicians and Robert Plant singer, and he's always doing his ah-ahs and whatevers, and he's a great screamer and probably the first because ozzy you know i guess well ian gillen was probably the first real heavy metal screamer yeah but because ozzy didn't really have that kind of singing thing and robert plant has a special kind of voice for himself too then we go to the battle of evermore and jim what do you think well i mean this is i thought it, when i listened to this and i mean i probably haven't listened to this song as much as i knew the hits on the album more so, but like, I, it's a cool song. And I thought, of, I thought of Ken. Soon as I, and then when, when I read the bio on the song, I was like, totally, this is, you know, it, it's uh, it's kind of follows the Lord of the Rings and uh, it's really, really folky. It's probably not necessarily my thing, but I still, I mean, it's the mandolin and it's pretty cool that uh, I believe John Paul Jones played the mandolin on it. It's kind of, it's definitely neat. And I, I think it's a third track. It's pretty cool. It's really interesting. And, I mean, I can imagine Ken probably can tell the story of, of you know, the Battle of Evermore for sure. <laughs> Ken? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, basically, uh, I know we talked about this on the Blind Guardian podcast, but again, they went back to the Silmarillion uh, for their inspiration. So the lyrics tend to tend to go back to the idea that the... Um, the dark lord the dark lord and the of the ring of the ring race uh in the battle between uh uh Pelinor fields so they're alluding to that for in, in most of the song and yeah it is a very folky song first of all so obviously why they decided to ask uh, sandy denny because she was a former british folk singer to come in and and sing and from my understanding she's the only other person that sang on a song with with robert uh, for that only time so it kind of works maybe it's a little lofty uh, for some of the ideals but I kind of like it as well it's it's it doesn't have the same energy as the first two songs but it, it's all right I don't mind the song at all I like the song and uh, I was probably going to mention this when we do going to California but as I've said many times before I'm not really a fan of not that this is a ballad, but of slower songs and stuff, but Robert Plant's voice is so great. And, and like you said, the mandolin is cool to start. And yeah. whenever Jimmy play, Jimmy Page plays an acoustic guitar, it still sounds heavy. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's acoustic guitar, but, and I love the line where even though it has nothing to do with John Bonham, but I still love the line in it. The drums will shake the castle wall. Cause that just makes me think of John Bonham. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I realize that's not what it's about. <laughs> then we go to some song that a few people have heard before. <laughs> Stairway to Heaven, eight minutes. This might be one of the longest, the first long song I heard. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, Ken, do you love Stairway to Heaven? Actually, I do like the song. I mean, I, I think when I first heard it, I probably wouldn't have thought it was that great. But because it was always on the radio, and even when I was like, in grade eight, we had like a school dance. The song was played <laughs> at my school dance. So I'm just like, who doesn't grow up with Led Zeppelin? It's just, it's just, it's a classic song. And I love the fact that it's one of those songs where it's, it's broken up into the three sections where you get the acoustic to start, then you get the, uh, the, the guitars to come in, and then you get the up-tempo hard rock portion at the end, which I think you said, Blake, you preferred with the song. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's one of it's one of those songs that yeah, it it, it is a classic because it's been heard for so much. I know Q Q one hundred seven here in Toronto. They played it all the time, so I right. constantly heard this song growing up. So for me, it's it's just a it's a natural song to hear from the band. And I also did a little bit of reading up on it because I was curious about about the actual writing parts of it. So from what they say, they they actually recorded bits of it on tape, bits and pieces of it. And according to what um, what I what I had read, the lyrics were actually written spontaneously. So they didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about it. So they just got together, wrote the song, and it's it's a bona fide classic for me. And Jim, <clears throat> yeah, like. It's overplayed. We know that. I mean, at every like, like I gotta admit, you know, and at every junior high dance, a hundred percent, this was the last song of the night. So you knew, like, it was last chance for romance. Uh, you know, if you're a single dude, um, you know, you're trying to get that before the gymnasium lights came on and your mom came to come pick you up. <laughs> but anyways, um, I, I digress. God, I'm having flashbacks. Uh, anyways. Uh, no, it's, it's, a, it's a cool song. It was overplayed. It's been massively overplayed. And I think that's probably why, you know, I mean, every band has it. Uh, you know, a lot of people would probably say the same thing about Smoke on the Water. I keep using that as an example. I love that song, but it is been played a lot. Um, but I mean, the interesting tidbit that I like about it, and I like it even more now, is the uh, possible backmasking that happened where it's really satanic. So, I mean, that really, and, you know, me being the youngest out of the three of us here, I'm really impressionable. So I have to say that, you know, listening to these satanic references backwards, because on, uh, on they have that online where you can actually listen to it. I mean, it sounds legit to me, you know. He'll give you, he'll give you 666. There was a little tool shed where he made us suffer sad satan and it goes on with this whole satanic references i mean it's kind of cool because you can hear i've heard the aussie ones before and i don't know it seemed kind of a little muddled to me but then again so was aussie singing so but this is pretty cool it's pretty clear it sounds sounds like i want to hear it so maybe it's just my ears kicking it out and saying it but i thought that was pretty cool but i mean as a classic you know i gotta give this it's a, it's a 10 out of 10 song i mean i gotta give it cred it's, uh, you know, it's sold so well. It's so popular. Probably one of the most played hard rock, you know, songs in, in history. And, I, and you know, you got to give it cred. But, yeah, definitely for me, overplayed. But, you know, it, it definitely is a classic. Yeah, I was reading about this backmasking thing, too. But the band, of <laughs> course, claims that it's BS. <laughs> and that they know. didn't. Why I, would they I wait? heard it, Blake. Blake, I heard it. And I'm, well, yeah, I'm, staying I, out of, I'm staying out of my tool shed for at least a couple of weeks. <laughs> well, I listened to it too, but I didn't, I, I thought they were saying Santa, not Satan. <laughs> it does sound well, like that. You know, but you know that Paige, Paige was really into the occult. Now he may deny it, but I mean, the guy bought Aleister Crowley's house. What does that tell you? Yeah. So, I mean, like the Batman, the, you know, I mean, you're right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. They can deny it, but I won't be surprised if if it was kind of there. But if they if they what would be the reason to do it though, really? And unless it's for good luck. <laughs> they think Satan's gonna help them sell 37 million <laughs> copies, maybe if they put his name on it backwards, maybe. <laughs> well, Paige was heavily well, in the occult, so but I know Paige also thought that the where they recorded this was haunted also, too, where they yeah, recorded right, this album. Right. He thought it was haunted. I didn't see much about that here. I just heard that on a documentary. You don't see anything online about that. But but anyway, yeah, I listened to it and thought, yeah, okay, whatever. But it doesn't really <laughs> matter. But there was, a, there, was a, there was an assembly person in California that proposed a law to put warning labels on albums that have back, back masking on them. Yeah. <laughs> But I yeah. hopefully that never went through. <laughs> no, but that would make me want to buy an album. I think that's cool. Yeah. That's like a bonus track in my mind. I'm like, <laughs> I want to hear. I want somebody to direct me to to for Satan, and I want to follow. <laughs> I need to follow, anyways. Okay. But then you're gonna. But out. then you're gonna wreck your needle on your turntable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, true too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Maybe that's why they did it. So people have to go buy a new turntable. I don't know. Maybe they're <laughs> yeah. in cahoots. But anyway, you guys mentioned it at school dances. I didn't go to any school dances because whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> since I'm a little older than you, I did go to weddings. So I started having relatives that were getting married and then they would play this at the wedding. I'm going, they're going to oh, play wow. an eight minute song, Led Zeppelin song on a wedding. <laughs> Yeah. And I didn't like to dance. And I thought, well, I guess we could dance until it gets fast and we're getting off here because I'm not letting anybody, I don't know what I'm going to do when it picks up speed. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's definitely overplayed. And like, a, that's probably one of the reasons I didn't like it too, is yes, it was overplayed, even though I don't have a problem hearing smoke on the water since you mentioned it a few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I can appreciate it a lot more now, the slow, the ballad part of it or whatever i appreciate that and learned to of course love led zeppelin after that so yeah i don't have any problem with it so i, I think i i think i like and i probably can i, I kind of get the same feeling i think probably is you know i probably appreciate it more now than i did yeah. at the school dances you know like it's yeah, kind of like yeah. uh, why are they playing this you know like <laughs> now i'm like it comes on the radio i'm like that's eh, pretty cool you know yeah yes. yeah it grows on you and it reminds me of the Black Sabbath song, Heaven and Hell, even though it's not slow throughout, but just the ending is how how Heaven and Hell, they pick up. And it's like, not that they're trying to, because I know uh, that was with Dio, of course, then. But I do remember on one of the documentaries I watched that Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin were friends and stuff. But I was trying to look up stuff about the similarities of the bands, not their music, of course, because it's totally different, but just... Because they were out at the same time. I think Led Zeppelin was a little earlier than Sabbath, like a year or something like that. But anyway, then we turn our turntable over and hope we didn't wreck our needle by playing our last <laughs> song. And we and we go to Misty Mountain Hop. And just as I had a cat once, I named it Misty after the song. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very cool, buddy. Anyway, so I should have named my dog after Black Dog. But anyway, uh, Jim, what do you think of Misty Mountain Hop? Is it hop? Well, kind or... of a, I didn't name a cat, but I remember when I used to, you know, frequent uh, dancing bars, I there was a young lady who her name was Misty uh, performing. <laughs> Anyways, um, but no, this is a pretty cool song. This is a good song. I mean, yeah, it's. I keep forgetting, like, I was reading the, the listing of the songs and I was like, Hey, why is this starting at one? You know, like because they do it when you know they do it. They flip the album over, so it's pretty neat. But this is another one that you know is about uh, the Hobbit, so it apparently involves the, the reference of the Misty Mountains. Um, you know, but it's it's pretty cool. I like it. Um, you know, it it it's got some. It's got a kind of a. I think it was a B side single for actual Black Dog. So probably picked up a lot of uh, play and a lot of love there because, I mean, obviously, you know, the B-side of a single like from that would, would really, the, people would definitely get familiar with it quite a bit. But I find it pretty heavy, too. I It's, it's a pretty heavy song. I like it. I like it quite a bit. And Ken? Yeah, the, uh, the there is that one reference to The Hobbit, obviously, in, in the lyrics. Um, although I was reading something that, that I thought was quite interesting, though, uh, it was mentioned that at the time there was a, a like a huge bust. The police were busting people in Hyde Park for marijuana use, and apparently uh, Robert was really really pissed about that because he's all about the idea of living in a free society. So some suggest that some of the lyrics and some of the ideas for the song are fueled from that incident. I don't know if that's true, but that I just thought that was uh, kind of fascinating. And then I also saw that uh, plant. This is one song that. Uh, plan apparently uh really um associates himself with so it's one of those songs that he feels really really strongly about but like what jim was just saying yeah it's a it's a really heavy song and it again it, it you know it, it's it picks up the pace it's really good I, I i like the song a lot as well i think this might be my favorite song on the album actually this one cool cool oh all right and yes i also did read that even i read both things that you said the hobbit thing and then the drug thing and how yeah plants quest for a better society i guess smoking pot makes it a better society i guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. i guess that's what that means or maybe it just means where you have the freedom to do whatever you want i guess but 
whatever. Okay, now the next song, this they could have named the song, the album, this title, Four Sticks, except the guy's carrying too many sticks on the cover. But anyway, this song's called Four Sticks. Ken, what do you think of Four Sticks? Oh, I like the song quite a bit. Um, yeah, I know it refers to uh, Bonham's uh, performance with like the using the two sets of drumsticks. So it's kind of a, a little kind of a pun or a little play on the four sticks thing. Um, I, I I like the song and I and I know I've read a lot of, in guitar magazines about how um, when Paige recorded the uh, the riffs and the music, there was a lot of uh, unusual time signatures because he kind of recorded it in, in a five eight and a six eight ratio. So they mixed it that way. So I've read that this song was really, really hard for them to play live. So they didn't really do a lot of playing with it. But as a song, I love this song. I love plants, oohs and ahs on this. Um, it's pretty bluesy. It's pretty heavy. It's it's one, another song that I that I really like on the album as well. And Jim? Yeah, I mean, this is a cool song. It definitely shows off Bonham's drumming ability. I find it it's really cool. It's got a synthy sound to it, too. And I mean, yeah, that would have been a kind of a cool name for the album with a bundle of sticks just call it four sticks i think that would probably would have been pretty cool uh but no i like it it's definitely got a darker sound to it and yeah like when i was looking i from what i saw and i didn't look up on the at live playing website but it, it actually said that it only has been identified as being played once and that was in copenhagen so definitely to ken's point probably something a little bit more uh, harder to play live and maybe to pull it off so you know best to probably just leave it as a studio studio track for sure but it, definitely a cool song pretty technical i mean it just this is the probably more of the thinking man songs towards the mid part of the album on the second side here that that's that's really cool i think it's a pretty cool track yeah i think bonham's drumming is kind of the driving force of this song at least at yeah. the start anyway yeah, for sure and I did notice that Robert Plant says baby 18 times in this song <laughs> and babe twice. So I'm not sure why <laughs> he says he's baby a few times and is singing. I wonder if, if he's with a girl, does he call her baby or she's like, quit singing. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> then we go to the, I guess this is a, yeah, another, this is a ballad. I mentioned this before. And I say I don't like ballads, but I like Robert Plant singing ballads, I guess. Going to California. Jim, do you like going to California? Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's not one of my favorites on there. And I think, I think in, not that Rolling Stone magazine uh, does anything great, but I think they had this at number 11 on their top Zeppelin songs, uh, which was kind of interesting, but it's kind of a bit folk, too folky for me. I'm not a folky guy. I'm not really, you know, into that. Uh, but I, it, it's a cool song. I mean, again, uh, you know, it's got the uh, the mandolin again on it, which is kind of neat. And I believe from what I read that it was kind of inspired by Joni Mitchell. So, uh, you know, but definitely, definitely a cool song. Just probably not one of my favorites on the album. Uh, you know, it, it, but but I can understand where it uh, it gets a lot of uh, a lot of love from everybody, and I mean it it you know it it's pretty cool. I like it. And Ken, yeah. So for me as well, I I don't think it's a bad song. Yeah, it's it's, it's strictly a folk song, so it it's got that acoustic guitar going all the way through it. I did read that apparently one of the impetus for the song was that about going to California and experiencing earthquakes. So I don't know mm -hmm. how that translates into the song, but that's what I've heard. And then also to Jim's point about the Joni Mitchell, um, Plant or yeah, Plant did say later on that he did sort of borrow uh, some some of her songs from the first album, from her first album. And he's even admitted that he was actually kind of embarrassed later on in life because he was just a kid when he when he wrote the song, and he was actually embarrassed to say that he did sort of. I guess look at Joni Mitchell's uh, uh, debut album and kind of borrow from it to come up with this song. But the song's all right. It's not one of my favorites, but I I don't I could I could live with it. And well, I already said I guess I like the song. Um, and yeah, there was some reference to Earth. I guess once the song they were gonna call the song "Guide to California," <laughs> and right. I guess that's so you know that if you go there, there's gonna be earthquakes. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how often there's earthquakes. <laughs> 
But if anybody told me that I would like a song that has the lyric of someone told me there's a girl out there with love in her eyes and flowers in her hair, I'd say you're crazy, but I don't mind it. (laughs) (laughs) Especially live. I love it when you listen to some of their live albums, that song comes up way better on there too than it does on the studio album. Then we, oh, that's it. One more song, right? Yeah. Last song. When the levee breaks, Jim. Ah. Masterpiece. This is my favorite song on the album. Love this song. Absolutely love this song. I mean, uh, I, I, I guess it was originally, you know, uh, it was ri- originally, I guess, recorded <laughs> by Kansas Joe McCoy and Memphis Mini. So I, I'd like to hear that original one. To just, to, But I mean, this thing just goes on and it's so cool. I mean, it's so bluesy and it really shows off. I think you know, you've got Jimmy Page just ripping through it. And I mean, the drums on this. Again, Bonham just shines on this one. And, uh, you know, I, I think this was was originally, I think it was originally written about a flood in Mississippi in the in the late 20s. So it's kind of one of those songs that are probably somewhat uh, originated definitely as maybe uh, like a probably was a folk, old folk song from back then that they, they really put their twist on it. But this was one of, an interesting point too. This was one of the ones that they used that Rolling Stones mobile studio, which they used for the Deep Purple, you know, for a lot of the Deep Purple album when they uh, burned down the recording area for the, um, uh, uh, God, for what album was it there? Machine Head. Machine, Machine Head. Head. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of neat. The Rolling Stones and, they, you know, their, their equipment were everywhere. So, but no, it's pretty cool. My favorite song on the album, one of my top top songs from Led Zeppelin, probably one of my top songs, uh, like out of all songs. You know, I, I love love this song. It's just so good, so good. And yeah, this is a great song as well. Um, again, we should point out that uh, Bonham's drumming is fantastic in this song. It sort of takes center stage here. Um, the harmonica is great in it. It really adds to the song. It's pretty bluesy. It's, you know, it's kind of, it's got that rock blues thing going for it. Um, yeah, it's a great song. I also did read that they do say that this song is another one of their songs that they don't play live or they played a few times and had a, had some difficulty playing it. I don't know why they would say that, but that's what I was reading. So I thought that was kind of interesting too. Yeah, I don't even, according to that Wikipedia site, it doesn't even list it at all that they played it, but I'm not sure if that's right or not, but and it says four sticks they played twice even though wikipedia says once like we said but they especially played of course stairway to heaven black dog rock and roll a lot going to california a lot and misty mountain hop and the battle of evermore a fair amount but i didn't really i didn't really deal with that much for led zeppelin since they had kind of even though they did have eight albums they still had a short career even though they did tour massively before all that happened but anyway so that's oh i guess and oh i like the song dude i don't need to add anything you guys all covered that one so so that's the album uh i'm afraid to ask what you're gonna give it out of 10 jim but what are you gonna give it out of 10 uh, i mean i there's a couple of led it's not my favorite led zeppelin album but i gotta kind of give this a 10 i mean this is it's a masterpiece and what it means to the whole hard rock slash metal movement is is uh, you know anything that sells 37 million copies i mean okay as a hard rock slash metal act i'm not talking their taylor swift but i'm talking about these genres you gotta give it cred so i mean it's a 10 out of 10 it it has to be i mean come on i mean it's not my favorite one but only by points of points i mean most of their albums would be like there's probably two or three there that are definitely 10 out of 10s and are are just absolutely so important to the whole movement for heavy metal and for hard rock, you know, absolutely, absolutely. And Ken, what would you give it? No, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 as well. Um, For me, like, it's just the radio play. It was constantly on the radio. I heard it all the time. Uh, My dad had the vinyl side, even as a kid, I I identified with it. So yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah, for me, it has to be a 10. I couldn't see it any other way because every song on that album is 
fairly well known and you've heard it and they've played it. So yeah, and, and I think it is fairly influential for a lot of bands uh, in the future who are going into like heavy metal and hard rock. And so yeah, yeah, it's a 10 out of 10 for me as well. Well, I'll give it a 9.999. <laughs> now I'll yeah, give man. it a 10 too. Because <laughs> it's like Jim, we'll see if we have the same number one Zeppelin album because we're going to rank the Zeppelin albums here in a few minutes. But yeah, it's it's a 10 out of 10, but it's not my favorite either. But we'll get to that here in a few minutes. And as we said, yes, it sold 37 million copies, 2 million in Canada. I wasn't sure if you got that part. It sold just under 2 in the United Kingdom. And it sold a mere 24 million in the United States. <laughs> and Rock it peaked, stars. It peaked at number one in Canada. And, the, and it's funny, it didn't peak at number one in the United States, though, even though it sold, it must have sold a lot after but it peaked at number one in canada and the united kingdom and it peaked at number two in usa australia japan and italy and i none of us have seen led zeppelin live but i'm sure we've listened to some live led zeppelin albums what do you think of that jim yeah, you, no, wish you would have good. seen led zeppelin live no, I, I haven't seen that seven live. This album came out the year I was born. So, but you know, what's neat is, yeah, I'm, I've seen lots of performances and I think it's really cool just to note the fact that they, when John, when Bonham passed away, they called it quits because, you know, there's so many bands out there that just go past their expiration date. And, you know, nowadays, uh, even more so than probably back then, back then, I don't necessarily think it was necessarily a money grab as such i mean yes they sold albums we don't sell albums nowadays you know and they they were they were able to make a, a you know they were rock stars um but now i find bands are just they're trying to get these tours going and they're trying to keep the, kind of the dream alive not necessarily in a lot of cases for the fans just for to kind of sell on their their names you know and and that's what happens you've got bands out there that are touring and aren't putting any new material out, which I totally respect and I get that, but you know, it just kind of, kind of cheapens it for me. And I think the fact that they called it quits, you got to respect that. I'm, I like to be a pure, I'd like to think I'm a purist, but I know that like, I mean, if I had a chance to see, you know, would have had a chance to see them tour with, uh, with his son, you know, I probably would have jumped on that. Absolutely. And, and I wanted to see that. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm just as curious as the next person. And I think they would have been able to pull it off, but I got to give respect for that. And I think it's pretty cool, but yeah, any clips or any of the live and the concerts I've seen on online or the albums, it's just, it's superb. They're phenomenal. And I mean, you know, the other reason why I gave it a 10 is you think of how many drummers spawned from Bonham, how many guitar players, you know, spawned from Jimmy Page. And, and you know, you think of like, how many singers, you know, want to have that not only the vocal ability, but the stage presence of, of plant presence of plant. I mean, you know, so many bands that just kind of went on from this, you know, one I can think of that I liked them back in the late seventies, early eighties would be like Whitesnake. I mean, very similar trying to hit that nowhere's near, but still very talented and definitely, you know, these were the, uh, the vibes they were taking from it. I just think it, it, it just they're they're that important so it's pretty cool and ken you want to add anything about live albums or anything yeah um, um i'll share this a uh, quick story um when i was uh like starting college i worked in the summer times at a at a pool company so i was in the back helping uh filling up containers for chlorine and there was a guy that worked there and he was a funny dude he's basically he's from the 60s so he's seen everything. He's all, all these great bands from way back in the 60s. He's seen Zeppelin a bunch of times. And he told me, and I was I was stunned when I heard this. He's like, they sucked live. And I said, what? Zeppelin? How can how can that actually be? It's like, I I hear this band on the radio all the time and everyone talks about Zeppelin. But to this day, he, he was like, no, I seen them live and they sucked live. And I was like, well, okay, well. I never believed it, but I always, when I looked him up online, I was like, no, this, this sounds great. Like I never, I could never connect the fact that he was saying that they sucked live because I don't see it. But, you know, I guess that's opinions, right? Everyone, everyone has an opinion. 
Yes. Maybe he didn't like the fact that they would take a song like Dazed and Confused from their first album that's right. six minutes long and then play it live and it takes 25 minutes to play it. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. It could have been. Because I was going to say... <laughs> I was going to say that Led Zeppelin, even though they sure influenced a lot of people just just music, but they probably influenced yeah. a lot of people with the way they did their live shows and doing those yeah. long jams. I'm sure Deep Dream Theater learned a lot from seeing Led yeah. Zeppelin and well, doing these 20, turning these five minute songs into 20 minute jam sessions live and just having fun and stuff like that. So I know how the West was one. It was one of their live albums, which I like a lot. And I had a couple of their DVDs. I don't think it was released on an album. There was one in New York. And yes, I couldn't imagine anybody thinking that they sucked live either. I don't really understand yeah, that. Either. I wouldn't. But I, I would love to see them live. I mean, I'm I'm like Jim. If Jason had mm. joined them and they, and they continued, I I would have went to that easily. No, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tr turn that down at all. Just imagine how much money they could have made. Oh yeah, because <laughs> when they were playing live, it was probably five or ten bucks a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> and well, now, I mean, maybe not now at their age now, but even ten years ago or whatever, it still would. I mean, even if they did it now, they would still, there would still be thousands of people ready to get tickets or whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, I I thought at one point in the in the eighties there was discussion of like the band getting back together to to play with Jason, but it never materialized. But I, there was always these rumors going on. Well, will they get back together, play with Jason? Never happened, but maybe that was for the better. Yeah, well, I don't know. They, it's it's good on them that it isn't just all about the money, I guess, even yeah. though I'm sure they made yeah. lots of money. Hopefully they still have it. And I know they all did other musical projects, which maybe we'll talk about that a little later here. Ken might bring that up anyway, for sure. But I do want to make, before we get to our tops, our ranking our Zep albums, there's... A thing I always seen in a documentary and I always thought it was so cool, but you know, cause they used to wreck hotel rooms cause that's what rock stars did in the seventies, I guess <laughs> more so than now, maybe they still do it, but you don't hear about anything like that now. But I remember watching a documentary and they were at a hotel and the, they're checking out and the guy says that, Oh, I got to charge you this much for all the damage you caused and stuff. And they said, okay, no problem. And then he said, I envy you guys so much. And he goes, why do you envy us so much? He goes, cause you get to trash hotel rooms. And they said, well, here, here's some money. Go trash one of your rooms. <laughs> and then they let the guy go and trash one of the hotel room. I don't know. He might've got fired though, since he did work at the hotel, <laughs> but they offered to give him the money to pay for all the damage he wanted to go cause and be like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> That's cool. But you bands, if bands are listening, young bands, don't trash your hotel room. No. Because you well, probably can't afford it. Save your money. <laughs> well, now now they nail everything down, like in a comfort inn. Everything, yeah. you know, everything's nailed down. <laughs> can't even steal a towel anymore. It's like 40 bucks to steal a yeah. towel. They'll uh, say, well, if you steal this, we're sending you a bill for $40 for a hand towel. <laughs> Okay, now so we're gonna rank the Zeppelin albums bottom to top or whatever. And there's eight, like I mentioned before, there's eight studio albums, and there's also Coda. I included Coda in my list. You two didn't have to. I think I'll go first this time. I usually go last, so I'll just go first. Okay, so for number nine, so I have nine then. So number nine, I got Houses of the Holy. And it's just that because a few of their albums are a little more mellower and stuff, even though I kind of contradict myself higher in my list. But anyway, but there's still some good songs on it. Just it's not one of my favorite, obviously, Led Zeppelin albums. Number eight, I got Presence. And same thing as Houses of the Holy. It's not that there's some good heavy songs on it, but it's not a there's a lot of, you know, the kind of turn in progressive little because those are actually well presence is their last studio album isn't it or no i'm not sure no maybe there was one more after that but anyway it doesn't mean number seven i got their first album with you know communication breakdown on it dazed and confused good times bad times it was a good debut album uh number six i have in through the outdoor number and number five i have coda even though it's only like 30 minutes long, 35 minutes long. But I love Bonzo's Mantra, which is the drum solo by John Bonham. I think that's so awesome in it. And Poor Tom and Ozone Baby. 
there's baby back again and uh so i love i love that album actually and number four i got led zeppelin 2 which was one of their heavier rocking ones with whole lot of love on it heartbreaker living loving made number three i have number three led zeppelin three and like we mentioned before but it's a little bit less there's more folksy on it but it has like three of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs are on it with the immigrant song, which isn't folksy. And, but then there's Brown Your Stomp and That's the Way. Those are two of my other favorite Led Zeppelin songs of all time, even though they're folksy kind of ballads, but I just love them. And number two, I have Led Zeppelin 4, which of course we just talked about. And my number one is Physical Graffiti, which I had this ah. on my top 50. I can't remember what number I had it at, but just so many good songs on that one in my time of dying cashmere trampled on their foot houses of the holy the list yeah. just goes on there's hardly any bad songs on that and it's nope. like a long uh, album it's a double album, double album yeah it's classic so, yeah. yeah so that's my favorite album and we'll cool. let jim go next then well very similar and uh you know that's that's kind of funny i was counting it down with you but uh, number eight for me would be in through the outdoor and i gotta admit a couple of these albums I'm probably not as familiar with. So that's probably why I ranked them a little farther down. Number seven would be Presence. Number six would be uh, the Zeppelin debut. I love that album. That's a wicked album. Five would be um, Zeppelin two. Four, Zeppelin three. Three would be Houses of the Holy. Finish it off the exact same as Blake with number four, Led Zeppelin four, number two. And Physical Graffiti is number one. That is a phenomenal album. And I think I had that on my list when we did the Deep Purple podcast as one of my top albums from the 70s. And I mean, mm -hmm. it's just, and I just got a remastered version uh, copy of this. So I have one that's not, and then I just got this one. And it just, it sounds just a little bit more cleaned up. It's wicked. I love it. So uh, my favorite, favorite Zeppelin album, one of my favorite albums of all times so many and you're right every song on it is like a massive there's no skippable tunes on this i think of that in four as well but more so on uh on graffiti absolutely mm -hmm. so that's your 10a 10a and then uh number yes. four is 10b <laughs> that's right i i like them very similar but i mean it's just yeah cashmere you've got so much good stuff and uh and i mean there's another one that the album cover is absolutely iconic i think it's so it's just so freaking amazing i love it yeah and i just bought a t-shirt of that album cover recently oh cool, <laughs> cool. Anyway, okay ken what about your list okay so uh jim we're actually really really close what you've got <laughs> is what i pretty much what i have so like number eight into the outdoor uh number seven is presence those, those are all right there's a couple of songs that are really good but i I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really a huge fan of it. Uh, number six, I'm putting uh, Led Zeppelin three. It's pretty solid. Uh, number five, I've Led Zeppelin two. Uh, number four is Led Zeppelin, the de debut. Uh, number three is Houses of the Holy, which is another album that I actually do like. I I really like yeah. that album cover. That album cover is just it's the bomb. It's the bomb. Uh, number two is that Zeppelin four, which I think we've all agreed it's a pretty solid release. And I have to agree with you guys, basically, Physical Graffiti is their best album. It, it's a pure classic. Not much to say. All the songs are great. It's Nothing is skippable. It's a solid release. Yes. And oh, I was going to mention something. Oh, well, we'll see when Billy listens to our podcast, and hopefully he'll <laughs> comment on YouTube. But I'm pretty sure I talked to Billy about Led Zeppelin, and Presence is his favorite Led Zeppelin album, I believe. Really? So really? we'll see if he okay. comments there, because we all had it near the bottom of our lists. But I believe he told me that that was his favorite one. Oh, so wow. we'll see. Okay. So, Billy, if you're listening, make sure you comment and tell us yeah. what's your number one. <laughs> yeah, we need to know. <laughs> and everybody else too everybody tell us your favorite led zeppelin album or your least favorite absolutely um okay so and ken i think you wanted to talk a little about some of the offsprings of bands that people did from this band especially robert plant and jimmy page but you want to talk about some of those yeah um, i was just wanted to piggyback off what jim had said earlier that maybe it was the right thing to do for the band to call it quits after uh, bonham died but then I got to thinking that, well, the music that they made afterwards, individually and as partially mm. together, is pretty remarkable stuff, really, when you think about it. 
Um, like, like, look at Plant with as a solo artist. You've got Now and Zen, Manic Nirvana, State of Nations. All three of those albums are fucking great albums. They're they're really mm-hmm. solid. They're really solid albums. Um, and then you know you when you even do when the Page and Plant thing got together, do No Quarter, and Walking into Clarksdale again. Both great. A lot of really good material on there for me. Um, but my favorite out of this bunch for me is gonna is gonna be Jimmy Page's Outrider, which is actually one of my favorite. His only solo record, uh, "Wasting My Time." What a song! I played that song over and over and over, and it's it's a fantastic album. So when you think about it, like yeah, okay, they broke up, and and it was probably the right thing to do. I mean, I I get that their their buddy died, and you know they they were their family to some degree. But thinking about it on reflection, the amount of music that they've made afterwards is it's just remarkable. And Paige to this day still makes music. And so does Plant. And Plant's voice is still great. I mean, even now with the stuff he's been doing in the last few years, it's still pretty good. I mean, he's still he's still got a good range as a music as a vocalist. So like I so to some degree it's a blessing and a curse. The band quits, they they're done, but the music that's come afterwards is is fantastic. So yeah, I, I just kind of feel like there's a lot of really good stuff out there. If if you're not, if you're young and you're and you're getting into Zeppelin and you want to hear the offshoot stuff, I'd say go for it because you won't go wrong with that either. And what was that Jimmy Page album you said? Uh, it's Outrider. Oh, okay. Nineteen eighty-eight. Actually, I don't think record. I listened to too much of that, so I'll have to oh, check I, that I out. Love that. I love that album. The album is one of my favorite albums. It's 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 great. Totally and great. I, and I'm just looking on my phone on Spotify, but I can't find it. But I know Robert Plant did an album with, or not Robert Plant, Jimmy Page did an album with David Coverdale too. And I remember liking that, but I can't find them. I'd have to look through all my CDs here to find it. I didn't do that That's before. That's a good album. That's a really Coverdale good album and too. Page. Yeah. Yes. yes. I think, did yeah. they make more than one or just one? I can't I think remember. they made a couple. Yeah. yeah. A couple records. Coverdale's a great singer too. So, oh, and, absolutely. And Jim, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with Ken said, but even taking it like uh, one step removed, you know, you even have Jason Bonham, who had that, like in 1989, had that band Bonham, yeah, uh, where it was uh, kind of uh, more of a heavier, uh, sort of a bit more of a pop metal band, but still, still was, you know, I was pretty good. I think I have one of the albums, the first album, I, I can't remember what it's called, but I had that and I remember, you know, my big selling, the big selling feature at the record store, and I think it did fairly well, uh, was that it was, uh, you know, John Bonham's son. So kind of jumping on that and and I kind of went after that. But also just kind of an interesting thing, Jason Bonham played the drummer in Steel Dragon for Mark Wahlberg's fictional band there in uh, Rockstar. So he was actually the drummer in, in you know, sort of that loosely based Judas Priest sort of, Bio, biography kind of thing that uh, they did with uh, Jennifer Aniston and uh, Marky Wahlberg there. <laughs> <laughs> kind of terrible, but hey, it's, it's worth a watch. Yeah. Oh, well, just to add on to what you're saying there, uh, uh, Jim, uh, that, yeah. that yeah. Bonham album, The Disregard of Timekeeping, because I have that album too, the first album. That's right. That's what it is. 1989. Yeah. 1989. Yeah. And they still, and even though, like, this was years ago, of course. This is seventy-one. It's whatever years ago, but they still you still have band like Greta Van Vliet. I don't know if you know that band, but they definitely yeah. are influenced by Led Zeppelin and Wolf Mother from Australia. Definitely yeah. were influenced yeah, by yeah, Led Zeppelin. Sure. You still get it. And then there's the heavy metal band Trouble, who were doom metal, and of course yeah. they were influenced by Black Sabbath. But then as they had their old Manic Frustration, which I really like, and I find that one is more Led Zeppelin-ish than Black Sabbath-ish. So even mm-hmm. band can be influenced by two different pioneers of heavy metal there, because Trouble is one of my favorite bands, and that's probably why. That's <laughs> yeah. a great band. Yeah, yeah. Can't go wrong. Okay, so that was good. Anything to add about Led Zeppelin or anything else here? No, they're one of the, oh. one of the, one of the, one of the greatest bands, one of the greatest rock and blues bands. Oh, um, yeah. One of the three pillars, and as we stated earlier, you know, Sabbath, Purple, and and Zeppelin, those three, those three pretty much started all, in in my opinion. So, um, well, I yeah. was, yeah, and I, I was doing, I was just looking up stuff, Black Sabbath versus Led Zeppelin. I know there's, we're all gonna say that 
right? Everybody's mostly going to say Black Sabbath started heavy metal with their first album, fine. But I like Led Zeppelin better than Black Sabbath, and I like Deep Purple better than Black Sabbath too. The old stuff, anyway. Uh, Blake, what, but, do you, what do you think of the first uh, Purple album, the very first one he did, like in '67? Do you like that one? The first Deep Purple like, album. Yeah, I the first. The, they're very trippy. Like, why did Rosemary? Why did Rosemary's Baby take the pill? Remember that song? <laughs> that that's a that's a really weird song. Yeah, I don't suppose the first Deep Purple album was very heavy, was it then, right? No, it was trippy. It was very, very psychedelic. Yeah, I'd have to go back and listen to it again. For me, Deep Purple kind of started with... Uh, in Rock. Probably. Yeah, In Rock. In rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Same Rock, and then yeah. especially Machine Head or whatever. And yeah. Machine Head, yeah, yeah. Fireball. That's really when Fireball, I got yeah, yeah. Deep Purple there. Because I did go back to some of those other albums and went through them, probably for that podcast we did, but... Yeah, it wasn't until they got really heavier that mm -hmm. I really got into them. Yes. So, yeah, we know the Black Sabbath kind of started it. But these other bands are obviously important to influence different bands all along and everything. Yeah. But people would, I was researching Black Sabbath versus Led Zeppelin, and there's people saying, oh, Black Sabbath is better this, better that. But it's all just your own opinion, just like you said about sure. the guy who thought they sucked live or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just your opinion on what you like the best. Like, I Absolutely. like Led Zeppelin the best, but I'm not going to say, okay, Led Zeppelin started heavy metal just because I like them better. I'm just going to yeah. say they're just as important. They just weren't really metal like i mean well black Sabbath weren't metal either because they had to kind of make the name even the first i was reading that where the black, first black sabbath album isn't really that metal compared to some of their other stuff later because they were just making their own sound too right and discovering yeah. what they wanted to be yeah for sure but anyway that was a good podcast. Thanks, guys, for doing this. I always I wanted to make sure we did a Led Zeppelin one sometime, and I guess we could have cool. did the one that we all like, number one. <laughs> but we still like this a close second. So, and sure. this is probably, this is their biggest selling album. This one, so I thought it was kind of fitting, and so we could all talk about Stairway to Heaven and Satan. Backwards. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks for joining me. Uh, I don't know what pod, what episode we're doing next, so make sure you tune in again next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Goodbye.